This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. Sit back, relax, and let me talk to you for a second. Good people, welcome back. This is Destination Debbie, and I am the captain of this here thing that we do. Y'all know who it is, man. It's Ray G. You can find me on Twitter at Ray GQ. Make sure you're following the show at Destination Debbie. Go to the YouTube channel. Check that out. Got content over there. Going to start transitioning a lot of the YouTube content from fantasy sort of in-season content to really hammering, hammering, hammering prospects and rookies with film breakdowns. That's that's where the direction of the show is going to go. I want you guys to be able to take a look at some of these players, a lot of guys that have disappointed or even those that have done exceptionally well this season. I want you to be able to, to come to one, one location, head on over to Destination Debbie, check out the film breakdowns, film reviews, and then from there, you'll be able to make an informed decision on if you want to invest in said player in Dynasty, trade for them, or, or if this is a player that you want to acquire in your upcoming rookie draft. So as we approach the end of this NFL season and the end of this college season, that is what the content is going to shift to on the YouTube channel. And over here, it's going to really start to focus and turn our attention to the 2022-2023 class and take a look at some of these upcoming 2024 kids who are going to sign their national letters of intent here in the next couple of months. But man, takeaway show today i've got to start out by saying I, I this college season i am grateful i am happy that we have games i'm happy that we get to watch football but it just feels it just doesn't feel the same you know just it feels just kind of i mean we want to see these big time players play in their rivalry games we want to see these big time players fuck just play, right? Games getting canceled left and right. I feel like we saw USC for a week or two, and then we don't get to see them for a couple of weeks. Their game was canceled. Ohio State, I, I can't, you know, Justin Fields, we want to see Justin Fields. We want to see them 
on the field playing. And what this does is it not only takes away from the fan experience, but these teams, they have a hard time getting into a rhythm. So then, you know, they've got to come back and, and, and play this game and they're not looking sharp this week. I mean, we saw Ohio State struggle with Indiana and Michael Penix Jr. looked like the next coming of Joe Burrow. And then this past week, and he goes out there and can't even throw for over 100 yards in a game. And that's what this season is doing, man. It's just, it's taking away from, from what we love. It just has not felt like a traditional college football season. We've got players who they opt out and then they play a couple of games and they opt in and they play a couple of games and they opt out or they opt in and then they opt out or whatever. I mean, we, we, and I understand it, you know, you know, I, I was the, the biggest proponent of no college football happening. I just didn't think any, any college football was going to happen. And if it did, I said for months on end that none of the top players would play. And most, some of them didn't. A lot of the top guys did not even come back. And to be honest with you, by and large, I think that was the right decision. Jamar Chase opted out and he stayed opted out, which I think was a fantastic decision for Jamar Chase. Micah Parsons, Caleb Fairley, there were other players who said, we're not going to do it. We're not even going to go out there and risk our health. We're not going to risk our future, our livelihood for a shortened upside down type season. And this past Saturday, I was watching the Iron Bowl, Alabama versus Auburn, and Najee looked outstanding. But he takes a play to the left side. And if you guys saw it, you know what I'm talking about. He gets hit from the side in his knee and it looked bad. He got up limping and I was just like, oh boy, oh no, oh no, please. Not anybody but Najee, not Najee Harris. And luckily he was okay. But we've seen other people who have been casualties to this. Pat Fryermuth, one of the top tight end prospects in the country, you know, he, he comes back, he doesn't look good. Penn State looks horrible. He's out there playing. Then he gets hurt. Now he's got to have damn knee surgery and he opts back out. We saw Rashad Bateman. He's He came back from Minnesota. He, he was one of the players that opted out, opted back in, put up 400 yards on 36 receptions. So I think he played well, but you know now he's opted out. Terrace Marshall from LSU absolutely destroys, dominates his competition versus Texas A&M this past Saturday. 10 receptions over 130 yards. He's been outstanding in this limited time for LSU and that's another team who's missed multiple weeks due to COVID the University of Florida as well and Terrace Marshall said that's it I'm done Javion Hawkins done you know this is this is what we are dealing with and I don't know because I'm not an analytical guy I don't know how this is going to affect the models of some people I have no clue. I'm very interested to see how Rashad Bateman's 400-yard season is going to is going to grade out. If there are going to be adjustments for this shortened season, if they're going to be, or are we just going to discount what happened in 2020? And on one side of the coin, how can we discount the production from a player who opted in and decides to opt out? And not give credit where credit is due for those that have actually played and played very, very well. I think there are a couple of players who opted in, who came back for their senior seasons, who this 2020 season has tremendously helped their draft stock. And that's takeaway number two. It's it is it has helped immensely the Mac Jones. Kyle Trask, 
uh, Najee Harris. I, I think there was a point in time where I didn't think Najee's stock can get any higher. What he did last year, I said, what, you know, that is, that's the pinnacle of his, of his height. Like it's, it's not getting any better. There's nothing that he can do coming back for a senior season that could, that could help him. And I was wrong because he looks even better. First of all, he looks leaner. He looks more explosive. He's showing those soft hands. He's showing, uh, he looks quicker. He looks faster. This 2020 season has helped Najee Harris. It's also helped Devonta Smith. I, I dove deep into Devonta Smith on the Futurecast show on the Roto Underworld Radio Network. Check that out. But Devonta Smith, right now, my rankings, patreon.com forward slash all gas. Devonta Smith is my wide receiver to three in the 2021 class. And there are some people that I respect quite well in the fantasy space, former college football players who think he's a better wide receiver prospect than Jamar Chase. I'm going to say that one more time. There are people that I respect tremendously who feel that Devonta Smith is a better wide receiver prospect than Jamar Chase. They say he does everything Jamar Chase does and better. He's a better route runner. He's got better hands. He's just as aggressive attacking the ball in air as Jamar Chase. He's more explosive. He's faster. These are, these are, hey, I'm just putting it out there. Jamar Chase is my wide receiver too in the class. I think he's, I think he's a phenomenal talent, but but Devonta Smith is right there. Devonta Smith is a smooth operator. And for all the shit that he takes for being 175 pounds, I've never seen him hurt. He's been ultra consistent. He reminds me of a Marvin Harrison type player. A And if, if that's too high of a comp, let's just say a better version of what Tyler Boyd is. I think that's what he is at the NFL level. And if anybody is shocked uh, about the potential of him being the first wide receiver off the board, I just ask you to rewind the clock back to this past NFL draft when Henry Ruggs came off the board first after not being the most productive, being the third or fourth most productive wide receiver on his Alabama team. He clearly was an inferior prospect to Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, hell, Justin Jefferson. You can even put Jalen Rager's production up against Henry Ruggs. At least he had a breakout season. At least he had a, he had a, he had a season that qualified as the top person, the top wide receiver on his team. And he was the first wide receiver taken, top 15. So to think that it's out of the range of outcome for Devonta Smith to be the first wide receiver in the NFL draft is, 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 is that's, that's not good process, man. Devonta Smith is definitely in the category for, for that, for that honor. I think he, and you guys know, I love me some Rondell Moore. He's got a better shot of going number one overall than Rondell Moore. Number one wide receiver drafted than Rondell Moore. He does. Rondell Moore, it's going to take the right team to fall in love with that player. I do believe he's going to get first round draft capital, another seven receptions coming off of a what, 10 catch game, however many 15 catches that he had in his in his first game back. I really think he should just opt out right now. He just needs to be done. He there, he did what he needed to do. Yes, you're explosive. We see that you're healthy. There's no need for Rondell Moore to continue to play. But I would not be shocked one bit if the first wide receiver we hear names called in, in 2021 is Devonta Smith. And he, he's just that good, folks. And people need to get off of this. He's a 175-pound train. Who gives a damn? Like, yeah, oh, historically, right? There have only been this many wide receivers drafted that way this month. Like, I don't... Guys... I'm I'm not trying to be dismissive. I, I understand you put a lot of work into your models and you have a lot of calculators and you, you push a lot of numbers and you got a lot of spreadsheets and stuff. I get it. I get it. Football ain't that complicated, man. It's not that hard. 
what have you seen on the field that makes you think that he can't be a successful wide receiver at the NFL? Nobody's saying he's coming in and he's going to be the wide receiver one in Dynasty. Nobody's saying that he's coming in and he's going to be transcendent. He's going to be Julio Jones. But to not think that this guy can be a an above average elite type wide receiver too, right? A Tyler Boyd plus, all right? We'll, we'll, we'll take the Marvin Harrison comp out of it. He can't be a more explosive version of Tyler Boyd to even think that that's not possible because he's only 175 pounds. He's got the frame to get to 180, 185, 189. CeeDee Lamb is not some menacing figure on the outside himself. I believe he's 6'1", 189, 191, something like that. Like, Come on, folks, like get that out of your head. You're going to miss out on a stud wide receiver because you're focused on how much he weighs. He's going to get the draft capital. He's got the production. He's got the analytical market share thresholds. He hit all of those like stop, stop it. All right. And the next takeaway, we're just going to stick with Alabama and two other players that this season has hurt. Well, one player that it hurt was Chuba Hubbard. He, he looks he, he didn't play. I don't know what's up. I don't know if he opted out. I, I really have no clue. But this this opt-in decision, this decision to come back for his redshirt junior season has, has killed it for me with Chuba Hubbard. And I was his biggest advocate heading into 2019. And I told everybody that he was going to be a smash hit in college football, and he was. And I really thought at that point in time he should have declared he would have been a 20-year-old running back in the NFL coming off a 2,000-yard season with 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 elite speed and explosion. Um, Tevin Coleman, you know, is is who he reminds me of. Uh, an up-and-down home run threat that l- lacks lateral quickness that can catch the ball in the backfield. But, you know, this season has not helped Chuba. This has not helped Chuba Hubbard at all. And while Jalen Waddle was injured, I, I do believe that he showed – Enough, you know, over 100 yards in five straight games, no less than five receptions, showing that dynamism, that speed. He's still going to be a, a first round pick, I believe, when it's all said and done. But Mac Jones, Mac Jones, folks, it, it's it's time. It's time to give this young man his credit, the respect that he deserves, and him to be mentioned as the top of that second tier of quarterback prospects when you're talking about Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Kyle Trask. Why is Zach Wilson some great, why the hell is he more of an impressive prospect than Mac Jones? He plays at BYU in the Mountain West Conference. He was okay last year, didn't do much before that. This is really his coming out party. And if you look at all the analytical numbers, all of the throwing passing metrics, Mac Jones is right there, if not better than Zach Wilson in all of them. And he's doing it in the SEC. He's doing it against the Auburns, Ole Miss. He's going to do it against Florida in the SEC title game. He did it against Georgia. Pinpoint accuracy, deep ball thrower. You know, neither of them are these athletic marvels that are going to run for 500 yards a season, right? I do believe that Zach Wilson is a little more athletic than Mac Jones. But again, the level of competition, what they're doing. Why is Zach Wilson? Why? Why? Because you guys just want to hype somebody. You want to you want to hit on the the thing that I've noticed about Twitter, and this is why I tell everybody to be mindful of the content you consume. What I've seen happen over the past year, and and I've been in this fantasy space now, this will be coming up on year two, all right? 
everybody wants to be first to the party on something. Everybody wants to hit on the player that nobody knew about. And I was able to tell you first, you heard it here first. So follow me so I can get my follower count up. Watch me. I screw all of that, man. Like, I think people are putting cart before the horse big time. Do I think Zach Wilson is a first-round talent? Absolutely. Is he a tier two quarterback? Absolutely. Should he be drafted in the top 30 of the NFL draft? Absolutely. But to put him in that category and disregard Mac Jones is, is reckless. It's absolutely reckless. And there's nobody that can tell me that Zach Wilson is some elite and is, is so much better of a prospect than Mac Jones. Does Zach Wilson have a cannon of an arm? No. Does he have this just, you know, crazy high school profile that, that we've just missed on something? No. I, I, he's, and he's doing it at BYU. Once again, his toughest competition that he's, that he faced this year was the University of Houston. You put Mac Jones and that Alabama team up against the University of Houston. And they destroy it. Now I get it. It's Alabama versus BYU. But the point remains that you can like Zach Wilson. You can like him. I like him. You can like what he brings to the table. You could like his, his playmaking ability. But to discredit Mac Jones, that's just some take lock bias BS. And the fact that he's following up to, uh, listen, if this were Tua Tungabailoa doing this, we'd all be losing our damn minds. Respect needs to be given to Mac Jones, my quarterback three in the 2021 class. Now let's pivot to the 2022 class. And there's been a lot of heat. The 2022 class is taking a lot of heat and I'm, and I'm dishing it out that that's a class that I'm looking to fade. And I still believe that. If you've got a 2022 first round pick, I think you're in good hands. You've got good quarterbacks. There are some good higher end wide receivers. I'd want one through three in that class with the wide receivers, Pickens, Garrett Wilson, and David Bell. But the running backs is where it's just a little, you got Eric Gray, you have Brees Hall, you have Isaiah Spiller. I think all three of those players are talented. But Kyron Williams, Kyron Williams is phenomenal. Kyron Williams is the best pass blocking running back that I've seen in college football this season. And it's not close. Cliche, baby. It ain't even close. I mean, he has given Ian Book time to run around and do some of the crazy shit that Ian Book does. It's because of Kyron Williams back there. And at five foot nine, 205 pounds, his ability to stand in there, take on linebackers head on is outstanding. And it is important. It is important. Clyde Edwards Elaire, one of my top running backs in my cornerstone rankings, he can't pass block to save his life. He almost got Patrick Mahomes absolutely blown up a couple of times today. And while a lot of people say, well, you don't need your running back to stay in the pass block, you don't even, anyone who says that, they don't understand football. You're, the defense is going to dictate what the quarterback does. And if the defense is sending more blitzers and more rushers than they have offensive linemen to block, then the quarterback is going to tell the, the running back, Audible, you're going to stay in pass pro for me so I can get this ball off. And if Clyde edwards is on the field on third downs and you're asking him to pass block, it ain't happening, man. He is incapable of picking up the blitz, and that's probably why you see more Darrell Williams on third downs, more Le'Veon Bell. Clyde just can't do it. Maybe he'll develop into it, but right now he stinks. Kyron Williams does not stink. He is phenomenal in his pass, bro, and he's a hell of a running back. 
approaching 1,000 yards on the season, over 20 receptions, over 200 receiving yards in college. This kid is legit. Kyron Williams, you know, he's going to be, if I had to slate it right now, he's a first-round rookie pick in 2022, somebody that I think is would be a, a solid contributor at the next level. I don't know how many elite running backs outside. It's Brees Hall. He's he's an elite running back prospect in that class. He's a guy that's going to come in from day one, and he's going to be a starter in the NFL. I can see Isaiah Spiller from day one being a starter in the NFL. As much as I love Eric Gray and as much as Kyron Williams is growing on me, I don't think either of those guys are day one starters, but both of them will have an opportunity to play at the next level. But he's going to continue to rise up my running back rankings. Phenomenal, phenomenal player. As is Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert is my small school crush this year, the big six foot three, 200 pound wide receiver out of South Alabama. He's only a junior, 59 receptions, 993 yards, eight touchdowns on the season. But I do think he's a player that can declare after this season and get drafted probably day three of the NFL draft. Uh, we'll see how he tests. But at that size, his dominance at South Alabama, I mean, he had over 200 receiving yards this past weekend. Uh, not not as impressive as Tyreek Hill and what he was able to do today. But Jalen Tolbert is, is a small school crush that I have. Have. He's one of my small school guys that I'll plant my, my my flag on. I like his game. I like his physicality. I like what he does with the ball is in the air. He's made some absolutely ridiculous catches on the season. Jalen Tolbert, just one of those names to keep your eye out on. Now, the the biggest one of the biggest takeaways, one of the biggest takeaways is is Kyle Pitts. I mean, he's a, he's a takeaway every single week, right? He's just he's that good. He cemented himself as a top ten pick in the NFL draft. He's that damn good. He's that good. He will be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. And y'all know I've been talking about Kyle Pitts for two years now, two years now. He's a top five dynasty tight end right now, right now. I said top 10. I've, I've changed that tune. He's top, he's top five right now. Michael Mayer and Eric Gilbert are better. They are going to be better tight end prospects than Kyle Pitts. That's how good Michael Mayer from Notre Dame and Eric Gilbert from LSU are. They are out freaking standing. Both of these players are probably going to register a breakout season uh, after this shortened season. Both of them are racking up the receptions, racking up the yards, and as in collegiate tight ends, man, they're not used like they're used in the NFL. They're not schemed the way that that tight ends like a Travis Kelsey, like they are in the NFL. But these two players have already kind of carved out that role for themselves at Notre Dame and at LSU. And, and we know that Ian Book isn't the best quarterback there is. And God knows that TJ Finley and Max Johnson, uh, they're not Joe Burrow or anything. Can you imagine Eric Gilbert with Joe Burrow last year? I mean, he looks like a wide receiver out there rocking that Justin Jefferson number two. Both of these players, I believe, are going to end up being better tight end prospects, better NFL caliber tight ends than Kyle Pitts. That's how good Michael Mayer and Eric Gilbert are. Now, my final takeaway, final takeaway, final takeaway, and, and this is this is OGQ being transparent with y'all. When I'm looking at these running backs, and I'm looking at my rankings right now, I got them pulled up right now. My 2021 running back rankings, patreon.com forward slash all gas. I'm not going to lie to y'all, folks. After number four, I have no clue what to do. I have no damn clue. 
I've got CJ Verdell at five right now. That's going to change. He has disappointed the last two games. The explosion is there. I don't know what it is. I don't know what is going on with him at Oregon, but they're running die. They're running all these other players. He wasn't on the field last Saturday. Chuba is at six. He's taking a tumble. Zamir White, just I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he's looked good. I, I, I appreciate the work that he's put in. I like Zamir White a lot coming into last season. The double ACL chairs and his, he's not even dominating at Georgia. He's not even dominating right now. That just, I'm not in. I'm not in on Zamir White. Javion Hawkins is somebody that I like. I like his talent. I like his skill set. He is a satellite plus back. Javion Hawkins will never be a future back in the NFL. I'm sorry to say that. I know there's some Javion Hawkins fans out there, but he's not a feature back at the NFL level at 5'9", 180. It's not happening for Javion Hawkins. After that, Jarrett Patterson. Like him. Think he's a good back. Think he's going to have a role at the next level. I don't know if I can bump him up to RB5. Demetric Felton, love his do-it-all skill set. Cameron Harris is tanked. Kylan Hill, no thank you. Chris Evans, Elijah Mitchell, Stevie Scott. We got Mo Ibrahim, who has played well, but want to see how effective he is, how quick and how fast Mo Ibrahim is. But the next player that I have, he is probably going to make the biggest jump in my rankings, and that is Oregon State running back Jamar Jefferson. And I am ashamed. I am absolutely ashamed. Because after his freshman season, I was all aboard the Jamar Jefferson train. I talked about him on this show, talked about him on multiple shows, ran for over 1,300 yards, 12 TDs, and had 25 receptions as a true freshman. And y'all know I'm from the West Coast, grew up in Vegas, so a USC Trojans fan, so I'm up watching the Pac-12 after dark. I saw a lot of Jamar Jefferson. He wasn't even supposed to start. They had another running back there. I believe his last name was Pierce, who was supposed to be the guy, but then Jefferson just, I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't, they couldn't keep him off the field. You know, he, he just, he was that good as a true freshman. His, his dominator rating, market share percentage, he's one of the hot, the, the college football leaders after his 2018 season and running back market share with 31% of the team's offensive yards went to Jamar Jefferson, the true freshman. The only players that are fantasy relevant that were ahead of him in after his freshman season, Joshua Kelly at six, Jonathan Taylor was number one at 39%, you know, Benjamin Puka Williams from Kansas. So Jamar Jefferson right there ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn, ahead of players like a Mo Ibrahim, ahead of players like an AJ Dillon. That's how good he was as a true freshman. Then his sophomore season, he had an ankle injury that hindered him. I mean, he was not the same in his sophomore season. Nine games, 685 yards, eight touchdowns, only caught nine balls. Here in the short, short Pac-12, I think they play six, seven games, four games in, he's got 675 yards. So he's already eclipsed or damn near eclipsed his yardage total in half the time of his sophomore season, a healthy player, averaging 7.4 yards a carry, seven touchdowns, eight receptions, 60 yards. And at five foot 10, 217 pounds, he has the size to be a TDT, a three down threat. And the biggest question mark about Jefferson outside of the injury is the fact that does he have enough speed to hit the home run? Does he have home run hitting ability? And we saw versus Oregon him take multiple 
multiple big time runs to the crib. He's got more than enough speed to be an effective and dynamic player at the next level. And I'm here to say right now, I love me some Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell ain't moving. Javonta Williams had a bad game versus Notre Dame, but so did Travis Etienne. That Notre Dame defense is real. So Devonta Williams, I, I think for me, this is what it's going to be, folks, because it's time to start finalizing this and, and stop shifting shit around. Top two guys are locked in. You know, I, I thought Javonta Williams could, if he would have impressed versus Notre Dame, if we could have seen something versus Notre Dame where Travis Etienne could not thrive, if Javonta Williams would have broken out versus Notre Dame, uh, there would have been a good chance that I moved him to my RB2 in the class, but he couldn't do it. And now, and to be honest with you, Michael Carter looked a little better than Javonta Williams did in that game. And so for the top two guys, it's it's locked in. It's Najee Harris, it's Travis Etienne. That that is not shifting. That is solidified. Write it down in ink and stone. Not moving those two. Uh, those are the two tier one running backs in this class. After that, you've got Jolanta Williams. Still love the skill set of Kenneth Gainwell. And don't forget, I just keep telling people as excited as we are about Antonio Gibson, and we should be. He, he looks phenomenal. Kenneth Gainwell was the reason why Antonio Gibson did not receive more touches from Memphis last year. That, that kid is special. He is special. He may not be the prototypical three-down back, but when you're talking about satellite plus-plus, that's him. Kenneth Gainwell could be a PPR monster for us in fantasy without ever getting 250 carries. Like We just saw Austin Eckler today do absolutely nothing on the ground, but he had 16 targets. I mean... That's Kenneth Gainwell. So Kenneth Gainwell's not moving. He's RB4, but RB5 is probably going to be Jamar Jefferson. I love what he brings to the table. He had that freshman season production, was hurt in his sophomore season, and he is doing, he's smashing right now in this COVID-filled 2020 crazy college football season. So those are some of the takeaways from this past Saturday. Again, you know, some players that I didn't talk about. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I don't need to continue to talk about how good he is. Najee was a stud, but I'm telling you folks, I'm telling you, this Jamar Jefferson, he's got it. Uh, I've got to dive more into him to get more people aware about, uh, more aware of who he is. But right now, I think he's comfortably going to slot in at RB5. All right, good people. I appreciate you tuning in. Happy Monday. Hope you have a great one. Uh, please, if, if you like this show, subscribe to the podcast. Check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe over there. I've got new content coming. Like I said, we're going to kind of shift the content away from fantasy football in-season stuff to really start hammering the film on some of these upcoming 2021 prospects as well as some of these 2020 rookies. But And if y'all missed it, man, make sure you check out the new show that's dropping every single week on Destination Debbie, my man Ben Eby has teamed up with the squad, with the All Gas Army, with Destination Debbie, and he is dropping the Elite Seekers, keeping you one step ahead of the game. So make sure you follow Ben, Mr. at Mr. underscore Eby, E-B-Y on Twitter. Make sure you check out the show. Make sure you're locked into Destination Debbie. But y'all know, man, I'm rambling, dropping music. (laughs) 